Hey, God bless you, gentlemen. First of all, let me say this. Uh, man, I love this dude uh, for, for, man, years, years. Man, come here. Just great, great memories of him and his family. I, I remember during a tragic time when your sister passed and after that bringing your family to the Lord and uh, really sitting down and discipling the whole family. I used to go to their house, sit at their table with their whole family and go through a discipleship every Tuesday night. And man, to see your uncle get saved and your aunt get saved and the family just begin. And then to see you today as a pastor. Man, I'm just so proud of you, man. So proud of you. God bless you. Pastor Eric, I got so much respect for this man and the things he's doing here in the valley. Come on, give your pastor a big round of applause. Amazing man of God. It comes from great, great legacy. His father, we got nothing but respect for your dad as well. And, uh, man, it's just an honor to be here. The first time I've been here to Thrive Church. And, uh, man, all, all, all the rumors are true. You guys are killing it out here. And it's an honor to be here. Really honored to be here with you guys today. Uh, if you came here to hear a motivational speaker, you're going to leave disappointed. Uh, I'm not a motivational speaker. That's not who I am. I'm a transformational speaker. That by the time you're done here, the goal isn't to motivate you, it's to transform you. It's to get you to get to another level, to not just be a better version of yourself, but to become a brand new individual, to become who God created you to be. So in a moment, I want to get into the word, but before I do that, I also want to acknowledge someone else who's here. Uh, one of my right-hand men at our church, uh, man, it's just so good, it just, just totally blew me away to see Brother Rob. They call him Niner Rob here at our church in uh in San Jose, because this dude is Niner everything. I think he has Niner underwear on right now, too. And so, uh, you know, where the chicks used to get the little, the little tramp tattoos back here, the tramp stamps, I think he has an SF back there somewhere. This dude is just all, he's all in when it comes to, to San Francisco, man. But, uh, hey, gentlemen, do me a favor. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. And I just want you to know, once again, I'm just an honor. It's just an honor to be here. Uh, I look at uh, Elbert, and man, probably one of the best softball players and golfers I ever met. This dude, can, for a little dude, this guy can kill the ball. As, as far I, I was always like, man, I'm, God, I'm the same size as him. Why can't I hit the ball as far as this guy? This guy is amazing as far as athletics. And uh, man, it's just, it's just, man, it's just so good to see you, dude. It's just so good to see you. Genesis chapter one. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, then you're in trouble because it's right after this Bible belongs to. Some of y'all that some of y'all get that on the way home. All you digital you digital people today, you don't have a clue about this Bible belongs to. Come on. Genesis chapter one, I want you to see this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Everyone say image. And according to our likeness, say likeness. And let them have dominion. Shout dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand something. We love a fight. This, this, this conference is called Men Fight. In fact, some of y'all got in a fight before you even got here this morning. Got in a fight with your dog, got in a fight with your wife, got in a fight with your family, got in the fight on traffic where you're flipping someone off, telling hey, you're number one on the way here to church this morning. But we're, we love fights. How much do we love fights? We love fights so much we will pay money to watch people fight. Whether it's UFC, whether it's boxing, or even WWE when you know it's fake. 
but we love fights. We love seeing people get into it. You want to draw a crowd? Just yell, fight. Wherever you're at, just yell fight and you'll see people run out, run in just to see what's going on because there's something about men. We love a good fight and we want to tell the story of where we were when the fight, you we weren't involved in the fight. You didn't throw a punch. You didn't do a thing, but you know what? You talk like you were the one that was right in the middle of that thing because every one of us was created for something, something called dominion. Everyone shout dominion. dominion. It reminds me of the little boy who called 911. He called 911, and the 911 operator answers, and he says, help, help. And the, the operator says, what's the emergency? He goes, I got two girls that are fighting over me right now. The, the emergency operator is like, is that a problem? He goes, well, kind of, because the ugly girl's winning. <laughs> Don't want the ugly girl to win. In Genesis chapter 1, I want to share with you this. Everyone say principle. principle. I want you to know that God operates according to principle. That principles, you do not break the principles of God. The principles of God break you. You don't break the laws of God. You can, you, you, you can try to break them. You, you could, you could uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that, that you can't break the laws of God because when you break or try to, to mess up the laws or the principles of God, what ends up happening is that there's consequences to pay for the principles that God has established in your life. Until you get the principle right, everything else falls apart. Let me give you a couple creation principles. First and foremost, that God always speaks to the source before he speaks to the substance. God always speaks to the source before he creates the substance. Come on, everyone say source. source. This side say substance. substance. This side say source. source. This side say substance. substance. God always speaks to the source. before he creates the. God also always creates an environment first before he creates the element to go in the environment. God always creates an atmosphere before he creates something for it to dwell in. Because the atmosphere has to be conducive to sustain that which is being created. Come on, say it again, Pastor. I need you to grab a hold. This might be a little deep for a Saturday morning. Some of y'all are used to cartoons and cereal right now. But I want you to understand I'm taking you somewhere, okay? So stay with me. God always speaks to the source before he speaks to the substance. God always creates an environment before he introduces an element. So when God created the plant life, he spoke to the earth in Genesis chapter one. He speaks to the earth to bring forth the plants. He speaks to the water before he creates the substance, the fish. He speaks to the earth, the, the, the source, before he creates the substance, the cattle and the livestock. Are you following me? What happens when you take the substance away from its source? You take the plant out of the earth. What happens to the plant when you remove it from the earth? It dies. It dies. What happens when you take a fish, the substance away from the source, the water? It dies. What happens when you take the cattle out of the pasture and put it over here in Target uh, parking lot? Someone's going to get it and there's going to be garden asada. It's going to die. I need you to follow, follow what I'm saying. God always speaks to the before he creates the. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, I want you to capture this. What, who does God speak to when he creates mankind? 
What's it say? Then God said, let us. He's not talking to the angels. He's talking to himself. He is speaking to himself the same way because remember, what's the principle? God always speaks to the before he creates the so God always speaks to the source before he creates the substance, which means when God created mankind, he didn't speak to the water, he didn't speak to the earth, he didn't speak to the sky, he spoke to himself. And the same way, listen gentlemen, the same way you take a plant out of the water and it dies, you take a fish out of the, or the fish out of the water, it dies, you take a plant out of the dirt, it dies, and you take the cattle out of the pasture, it dies. When you remove mankind from the presence of God, we die as well. Some of you are wondering why your marriage is beginning to dry up, why your walk, why, why your finances are drying up, why your, your life is drying up, is because you've been removed from the environment that you were created to dwell in. I'm preaching, you don't even realize it right now. You see, I, I need you to grab something this morning. God spoke to himself. You see, men, you were not just born, you were created. No, you, you missed that right there. You weren't just born. You were created. You were created first in the mind of God before you were created by your mom and dad in the back seat of that 54 Chevy. You are the product of the mind of God. God thought of you before he created you. God had a plan for you because I love what Dr. Miles Monroe says. He says that God always starts with the end in mind. The very fact that you're here means that there's an ending that God already determined for your life. That there's a purpose because God already sets apart the end from the beginning. Stay with me. You are the product of the mind of God. And before God did a thing, God first gave Adam and gave Adam his likeness and his image before he gave him anything. The first thing God gave to Adam was his image and his likeness. The first thing God gave to you was his image and his likeness. Come on, stay with me. Now, let me talk to some of you youngsters in here, okay? Some of y'all get looking to hook up with the honey. <laughs> want to get married, you know, want to start a family and everything. You know, that girl in the worship team is looking good. I want to talk to her, so forth. God gave Adam a job and a house before he gave him a wife. You ain't got a job, you don't need no girlfriend. Say it again, pastor. You ain't got a house, you don't need no wife. You need to understand something. God had an order by which things were put together. And he says, I want you to have a job and I want you to have a place to live before I bless you with the wife because I want you to take care of my daughter. See, God put his image on everything before he created anything. Now, let, 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 me follow, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Let's put that first picture up. What's this right here? Mercedes. What's this one? Bentley. Okay. What's this one? You guys are good. You guys are good. What's this one? Rolex. Some, some of y'all don't have a clue. What, what, what. <laughs> As pastor, we don't have, we never seen one of those in, in person. We've heard that they exist, but never seen one. What about this one? All right. What about this one? Last one. All right. Every creator puts his image on his creation. 
I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me, okay? The shoes you have were created by someone. They put their image on it. When the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus says, give me a coin. He takes a coin. He says, who's, who's, who's image is on this? Jesus, they respond, Caesar's. Jesus said, render unto Caesar. In other words, whoever's image is on it, it belongs to them. The coin was created by Caesar, give it to him. But mankind has my image on them. Man is mine. Man, I created in my image and in my likeness, and they reflect my glory. And so you take the money, I'll take the man. You take the finances, I'll take the purpose. And I need you to understand something today. God placed his image on you. So if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Now, now, Why? Because God wanted us to have dominion. Everyone say dominion. dominion. This is where I'm taking you this morning, okay? He gave us dominion to rule our environment, to administrate our resources, and to reign over creation. That, that was the scope. God gave us the ability, and then he says, this is the area I want you to rule. Now, I'm going somewhere with this men fight thing, okay? You were created to change atmospheres, not reflect them. Let, 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 me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked into a room and you could tell someone just got done fighting and you weren't in the room for the fight? You just come walking in and you could feel it because an atmosphere is a prevailing spiritual influence. Every room has an atmosphere. Have you ever walked into a room after someone told a joke and you weren't there for the joke? What are you guys laughing at? What's going on? Tell, I, I want to laugh too. Tell me what's going on. You could feel it. Atmospheres you could feel. And every one of us carries an atmosphere. Every one of us carries a, a, an authority, a dominion when we walk into a room. That, that is either a cloud of, of, of doom and gloom or it's the pope of glory of Christ Jesus in you. Whatever it is, when you walk into a room, God gave Adam the ability to administrate his atmosphere, his environment. Stay with me on this. To make a difference. You see, because atmospheres determine what can grow. Have you ever seen a palm tree in Alaska? haven't seen it why Alaska has days where the sun doesn't even go down it's not that it's not hot enough it's just not sustainable so what, what am I telling you your atmosphere determines what can grow in your life well, I know this is too deep for a Saturday morning See, that's why when you come to church, you, you walk in here on Thrive on Sunday mornings, you walk in, you're struggling, you're worried about COVID, worried about finances, worried about your kids, worried about school, distant learning, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. You walk into this place, and the moment you walk in, the atmosphere 
sets you free, and all of a sudden, you have joy, you have hope, you have purpose, you're worshiping, and you, you get so filled with the presence of God, and you, you love everyone, you even love your wife, you love your kids, you love the neighbor, and all, you're so excited while you're in the atmosphere, but the moment you walk out, get into your car, you step into another atmosphere where love can't grow, where understanding can't grow, where faith can't be sustained. Because you've come into a place that you are reflecting atmospheres, not creating them. And what men fight is all about is you beginning to fight to shift atmospheres. Stop complaining about your wife and begin to speak her into who God created her to be. I know that kid is worthless, but begin to speak life to that kid. All he does is play video games. All he does is this, doesn't mow the lawn, doesn't, doesn't take out the trash. Why don't you begin to speak? You know what, man? You are a man of God. You are going to be a world changer. You're going to shift atmospheres. God is going to use you. Now, I want to take, take your Bible. Genesis chapter 2, I want to take you. I need to make, make sure I go here because, number one, I got to apologize because after this is over, I got to head back. I got a wedding this afternoon. And so I, I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're flowing here, and I'm, I'm respectful of time. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, if you're there, say amen. amen. Well, it's on the screen for you, so you should be there, okay? <laughs> Check this out. Then the Lord God, this is what I want to get to. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to... Tend. Come on, say it. Tend. And... Wash. To... Tend. And... Wash. To... Tend. And... So I want you to see what, what these things are. Ten means to cultivate, to care for, to improve, to work it. See, when you buy a house, you begin to tend it. You begin to, uh, the backyard, if you buy a new house, there's no backyard. You got to tend. You got to improve it. You got to put in lawn. You got to put in the irrigation. You got to put in the concrete. You got to put in the pool. You got to tend. You got to make it better because you're there. Come on. Your neighborhood should be better because you moved in. Your family should be better because you're there. Your job should be better because you're there. The, when you step in, you got to tend, and then he says you got to keep. That word keep means to guard and to protect. Everyone say guard and protect. So Adam was placed in the garden. Now, remember, God creates this atmosphere. He creates the heavens and the earth. After that, he plants a garden in the middle of all this creation. Where did he get the seeds? He plants a garden, and he places Adam in this garden. And when he places Adam in the garden, he gives him the responsibility to care for it and protect it. Listen very carefully, gentlemen. You are where you're at by assignment, not by accident. God placed him in the garden. Okay, let me try this side because I don't think that, that side is very spiritual right now. God placed him in the garden. You are where you're at, not by accident, but by assignment. God placed you there on purpose for a purpose. Okay, maybe I was wrong. Come back to this one. One more chance. Come back to the anointed side. Huh? See, I need you to understand that most of society's problems can be traced to this right here. Adam was given the responsibility to tend, keep, to improve, and guard and protect. Your garden is your place of influence. 
The Garden of Eden is still in existence today. Each one of you, your house is your garden. Your job is your garden. Your marriage is your garden. Your family is your garden. Your kids are your garden. Wherever your ministry is your garden. Your church is your garden. Wherever your place of influence is at, that's your garden. If you're single, your heart is your garden. Your mind is your garden. God has given you that mind, that heart, so that you can tend and protect it. But the problem is this, and this is what I want to get to this morning. And I'm going to blow some, some of you theologically. You might be sitting here saying, Pastor, you're a little off this morning. I don't believe so. But but listen, I truly believe that original sin didn't happen when Eve ate the fruit. That sin didn't enter the world when Eve took the fruit, had the conversation with the serpent, and she took a bite. I personally believe that original sin happened when the serpent came into the garden and Adam did nothing about it. Come on, say it again, Pastor. You totally missed that right there. He did nothing about this serpent that is speaking to his wife and beginning to entice her to turn away from God, to do some other thing. And that serpent made his way into the garden. What was his job? To tend and to protect, to guard and to keep. And the moment that serpent showed up, he should have cut the head off that serpent and thrown it out of the garden. Gentlemen, I want to know, what are you allowing into your gardens today? What movies are you allowing into your living rooms? What, what music are you allowing into your family? What, what influences are you allowing into your kids? We are allowing things, and then we're wondering why our families are falling apart. We're wondering why things are falling apart when it's all about you're not tending you're not keeping. And for years, and before I went into, before I, while I was preaching, I was always looking at that account thinking, why did Adam let Eve do this? And all this time, I thought Eve was there at the tree by herself, talking and having this conversation with the serpent. But the Bible says that she took and she ate the fruit and gave some to her husband who was with her. So this conversation's going on. Did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree? Adam is watching the conversation. L listen, gentlemen, your genitals make you a male. They don't make you a man. You could be a male according to gender, but that doesn't make you a man. I'm tired of seeing our churches fall apart because we got men that don't know how to tend and keep. We got men that don't know how to stand up and fight for their marriage, fight for their kids. And it's easier to walk away than it is to stand and begin to cut the head off the serpent and get it out of the influence of your garden. Adam was given one job. I hate the Patriots. I hate, it was a fumble. It was a fumble. It was a fumble. I hate the Patriots. But one thing I love about those dudes, 
do your job. They have one motto, do your job. Don't worry about someone else's job. Do you do your job? And gentlemen, we got one job. It hasn't changed from the book of Genesis. We still have one responsibility to tend and to keep the garden that God has entrusted you with. God placed you there, not by accident, but on assignment. You are where you're at right now because God needs you to make improvements and to guard that garden that you're in. Somebody say amen. amen. Adam gave Satan access. And check this out. The serpent dwelled in what was acceptable in order to entice them to do what was detestable. Let me say that again. The serpent hung, hung out in what was acceptable. Hung out in the garden. Then he moved his way in order to entice them to do what was detestable. The enemy will always start off in an area that's gray. Not that bad. I'm only missing church. You know, my, my kids playing football. They're only going to be this age for a little while. And so, you know, I just, I'm just going to take this Sunday or, or this season off. I'll get back later. Then it goes from there to baseball season. Then basketball. And then before you know it, you, your family is disconnected and you've taught your kid how to play sports, but you haven't taught him how to worship. And he, we're raising kids that don't know how to tend and to keep. Is that too personal? Is that too personal, gentlemen? Maybe I should save this for a women's conference. Because some of the ladies are the ones that are tending and keeping the garden better than we are. It's all right. I'm leaving in a few minutes, so it's all good. I got a question for you. What are you allowing into your garden? I want you to take an evaluation right now. What are you allowing into your garden? And some of you already know if, you, if that thing, that serpent's already popped up. I don't even have to push. I don't even have to lean on it. You already know what you've allowed into your house that you need to get rid of. It's not too late. You see, and I, I hate snakes. Let me tell you, I hate snakes. And I remember we, we live in San Jose, on the foothills of San Jose. And I remember when my, when my daughters get sick or one of my family members gets sick, I always, I, I spoil them. So I get their soup together. I, I get a flower from the garden. I put it in a, in a little thing because I take care of my garden, okay? I get a rose. I put it in a vase. And I, I, I get everything ready. And I take it up to my girls, take it to their room so they don't have to get up. They can eat. They can, they can get well. And I remember I walked into the garden one time to take off a rose from the, one of the rose bushes, and I stepped over something that moved under me, freaked me out. When I went back and looked after I stepped over it, it was rattling. It wasn't a baby. It was a saw this. It freaked me. I went inside, and I did what any God-loving person would do. I went inside and I got my seven iron and I beat the crap out of that serpent. I beat that, I beat that snake silly, man. I beat it and I beat it and I beat it. It just laid there. It was upside down. Tongue was hanging out and everything. It was a Sunday morning, so we're getting ready to go to church. So I pick it up with the, with, with the uh, golf club. I drop it in the garbage can. We go to church. 
after church is over, I get the garbage and I'm getting ready to throw it out. I open up the garbage can and the sucker is curled up on top of all the trash and he's looking at me with his tongue still sticking out, ready to strike. You got to stop beating the snake and you got to start cutting the heads off the snake. You get the upper hand for a day, but those things that keep on coming back, I want you to see what happens. Look at, look at second or first Timothy chapter two, verse 14. I'm almost done. So stay with me. It says, and Adam was not deceived by Satan. It was the woman who was deceived and sin was the result. What's the apostle Paul saying? He's saying that the reason original sin is attributed to man and not Eve is because Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived by Satan. Adam knew what he was doing. Pause for dramatic effect. Listen carefully. Every gentleman, every man here, look at me very quickly. We don't get deceived into sin. We know exactly what we're doing. You knew they were going to be there. You knew what they were going to be drinking. You knew who they were going to be hanging out with. You knew that she was going to be there. You knew what she was going to be wearing. You knew that that individual was going to be in this area. You knew what was going to take place. You don't find yourself in like, man, I didn't know what I was doing. As men, we know exactly what we're doing when we sin. We are not deceived into sin. We make a choice. See, if you're if you're man, listen, if you're man enough, if you want to if you want to little be be a little Chiona this evening, this afternoon, and don't take responsibility, that's up to you. But I know me when I sin, I know exactly what I'm doing. When I make a choice to sin, I make a choice. I can't blame it on anyone else. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going. When when I get cut off and I get angry and I find my blood beginning to boil, I got that little pause between making a choice and reacting. And whenever I do it, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I made a willful choice to do it, honk the horn, to speed up, to come up on their side and throw my hands up and say, you know what, you're number one, whatever the case may be, or point them to Jesus. We know exactly what we're doing, gentlemen. Our fall cost us the garden, got kicked out, our dominion, and our relationship with God. And this is, this is where I want to kind of bring it together this morning. Adam didn't fight. Talk about men fight. You want to know how things are supposed to be, go back to the beginning. It all went wrong in the garden. And when God starts looking for Adam and Eve, he's like, hey, guys, where you at? Bible says in the cool of the evening, God went looking for them. For you Bible scholars, where were they? Hiding. Hiding in what? In what? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, you were created for what? 
We're created to work. You know, and that, that's, 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 we were not created to worship. God has never been hard up for, he had angels to worship him. You were created for dominion. Let them have dominion. And he gives them the scope of everything that we're supposed to have dominion over. And when God goes looking for Adam and Eve, where are they? They're hiding in the very thing that they were created to have dominion over. Oh, you missed that. They were created to have dominion over all creation, even the plant life. And what do you talk? How do you have dominion over a plant? Well, I want you to understand that plants have dominion over many of us right now called weed, called alcohol, called wine. There are many things that we find that are plants that have dominion over our lives instead of us having dominion over them. How is it that you allow a grape to have dominion over you? How is it that you allow a leaf to have dominion over you? How is it that you, created for dominion, allow a plant to have dominion over you? Adam and Eve were hiding out in the very thing that they were created to rule. And we're still doing that today. They're hiding from the very presence they were created to carry. I'm going to have the worship team come help me real quick. They were hiding in the very, hiding from the very presence they were created to carry. God speaks to everything he created in the book of Genesis. Let there be light and there's light. Speaks to the earth to bring forth the plant life. Speaks to the water to bring forth the fish. Speaks to the ground to bring forth the cattle and livestock. God spoke to it all in order to create it. But when it came to man, only man did God form out of the dust of the ground and come face to face with and share his breath with Adam. What were we created to do? Anyone ever ask you this question again? Oh, this is your answer. You want to know your purpose? You were created to carry the breath of God. Let me say that again. You were created to carry the breath of God. The same way that this glass right here, this bottle was designed to carry water. You were designed to carry his presence. Not bitterness. Not sin. Not pornography. Not addiction. Not anger. You were created to carry his presence. He breathed into Adam. He shared his breath. He gave his DNA to Adam when he breathed into him. You were not just made by God. You were made of God. You were made of the very DNA of God. You have the DNA of God inside of you. You have God dwelling in you. That's why when things begin to hold you back, when sin begins to beat you down, there's something in you crying out, you're better than this. You're stronger than this. You're greater than this. Don't allow these things to hold you back.
the Garden of Eden was never found. Scholars have looked for it. They think it was somewhere in Africa. Even though there's four rivers mentioned and we know where some of those rivers are, we've never been able to identify it. Why? Because the garden wasn't just a place. It was a presence. What made the Garden of Eden the Garden of Eden wasn't the trees, wasn't the plants. It was a special place where Adam and Eve commune with God. <laughs> You're going to get this in a moment. Some, some light bulbs are going to start going off in a second. Your garden is wherever you meet God. It's his presence that makes it the garden. It's what sets it apart. Your home can become the garden of Eden where you meet God. Your bedroom can become the garden of Eden where the presence of God dwells. When you come here on Sunday morning, this is the garden of Eden where you come and you experience the presence of God. But I need you to understand, it's not the garden of Eden because the presence of God is here. It's the garden of Eden because you are bringing the presence of God with you wherever you go. You are the carrier of the presence of God. You are the carrier of his breath. God made the garden for Adam to live in. But God made man for God to live in. The garden was created for man. But man was created for God. That's why if you're filled with anything other than God's presence... You're abusing yourself. Dr. Monroe says, when you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. See, if you're Latino, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have a butter knife in your, your drawer that's not kind of skewed at the tip. Because we use butter knives for screwdrivers. It'll work. But it'll damage the knife in the process. And many of you are doing things and you're working. But it's not the purpose you were created. My challenge to you today is number one. Let's remove anything in our gardens that don't belong. When I ask the Lord for direction for this meeting, he says, just lay the foundation. You got some great speakers coming after you that'll build. Just lay the foundation. And let's get rid of anything that is keeping them back right now. Get rid of anything in your garden that doesn't belong. And so I want to encourage you today. Number one, stop hiding. Stop hiding. Marriage starts getting rough. You, what do you do? You hide in your, your sports teams, your hobbies, and your, your kids at your job. Stop hiding. Then respond to God's voice this morning. When you hear him call, stop hiding. God says, hey, where are you? When God asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. He knows where they were. He was giving them an opportunity to respond. Tend and keep. 
want to want you to understand this. It's time to fight for your marriage, for your family, for your business, for your church, for your community, for your relationship and your purpose. I'm going to have you stand to your feet right now. I apologize. I went a little longer than I expected you this morning. I want to close with this illustration. The Great Wall of China was a gigantic structure that cost an immense amount of money. And it was designed to keep the neighboring armies from invading China. This massive wall that was constructed, when it was finished, it appeared that it was impregnable. There's no way that you were going to scale that wall. There was no way you were going to bust through that wall. That wall was so huge. There was no way you were going to get through it. Yet, many armies made it through the wall. How did they do it? They didn't climb it. They didn't destroy it. All they did is they bribed the gatekeepers. The ones responsible for watching the garden, they just bribed them. And they opened the doors and let them march in. What's your family worth? What bribes are you taking right now to expose your family to the armies of hell? We got a mandate on us, gentlemen, to tend and to keep. And some of y'all, when this session's over, you need to get on the phone and call home. Let your wife know, babe, I'm sorry because I've, I've been a terrible gatekeeper. Forgive me for allowing things into our home that never belonged here. I allow things to get into my heart. I allow things to get into my spirit. I allow things to come into our home. We allow things to come through the internet. I allow things on my computer. I allow things into my mind. It's time to start tending and keeping once again. It's time to start protecting the garden. And I love that. I love that, that theme that the NFL has right now. Who's got my back? Who's got my back? I got your back. Who's got my back? I got your back. We run as one. I love that. It fires me up. I got my church right now. We're doing a video to that. For our next series, I am CWC. Because I want them to know we got your back. I got my grandson, and I tell him, who's got my back? He goes, I got your back. Who's got my back? I got your back. I want you to look around this room. Who has your back? Who has your back? I got your back. I see you slipping, I got your back. Because not only are you part of my garden, I'm part of yours. You're part of my garden. So I am my brother's keeper. I want you right now, we're just gonna open these altars. Heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Just lift your hands all over this place. Just send a sign of surrender to the Lord just for a moment. Father, we bless your name. Bless your name, God. We worship you. We worship you, God. We honor you. We thank you, Father. 
You alone are worthy, God. You alone are worthy. And right now, just as a community, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seats. Let's just fill this altar this morning.